Episode 28, Rich Armstrong, President of the Great Game of Business. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. We're live on the set back at Gut Plus Science. Hey, have you ever heard that statistic that the majority of our employees give approximately 50% of their effort? The majority of employees are satisfied and satisfied employees give about half their effort. So productivity and innovation could be much higher if we had engaged employees. A highly engaged employee gives 110% of their effort. They're on fire for the business. They feel ownership and meaning in their role. So today we're going to be talking with Rich Armstrong, president of Great Game of Business, to get a good understanding of open book management and gamification. These are two strategies that can really push the needle on employee engagement ultimately resulting in higher levels of productivity and many more innovative ideas, ultimately building a stronger company from every angle and every metric. This show is going to be fully loaded, but first let's hear from today's Gut Plus Science sponsor. Purplelink's customized HR services will help you make your workspace joy-powered. Whether you're looking for help with recruiting, compliance, or leadership training, they listen to what you need and tailor their solutions to you. Check out purplelinkllc.com. That's purpleinkllc.com to find out how they can help your business. And look for the Joy-Powered Workspace podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, I'm ready to talk about a universal process to create winning business results while bringing a meaningful employee experience to all team members at the same time. What is it? We're talking about open book management and gamifying business on today's show and with the company who pioneered the concept, the great game of business. Today, we have the president of great game of business, Rich Armstrong, to dive deep on all of these topics. Let's get right down to it. So Rich, welcome to the show. And let's just kind of level set on some of this terminology. What is open book management? Thank you, Nikki. Um, well, open book management is, is probably most commonly known for uh, the simple idea of financial transparency within the organization, basically providing the financial picture to everyone in the organization, although we would probably term that more as open book reporting. Open book management to us and with what we call the great game of business is, is really about four different parts. One of, the, one of the parts is that it is financial transparency. It is being open with the financial uh, numbers of the organization and how, you know, are we winning or losing in terms of the financial position of the company. Uh, but the second part is that we take time to teach people about what that information means and then we empower them and enable them and provide systems and processes where they can actually use that knowledge to impact the business. And probably the last, the last point is that we provide some kind of stake in the outcome to the employees in, in regards to that if we can actually help them or the employees can help us improve the financial success of the organization, we want to reward them and recognize them for those efforts. Awesome. Okay. This, that's so helpful. Those four steps. Thank you so much. So then let's, let's break this down and help us understand what it means to gamify business. Well, we, we use the concept early on of gamifying. I guess we didn't even use that term back then. We didn't know the term of gamification, but back in 1983, when we first started a lot of this work, we were kind of in a crisis in 1983. We just had purchased the business from international harvester, 
Um, we had an $8.9 million debt on $100,000 of equity. We need to figure out how to get everyone focused on what we could do to make the business successful as quick as possible. When we focused on that, we, we took a lot of these concepts like open book management and started to open up and give everybody that reality so they could figure out what they could do to align to the success of the organization. Um, we knew at that early time that if we made a $10,000 mistake, we could be out of business. Now, we went and started to teach these financial statements to, to folks from, from, from the income statement to the balance sheet to the cash flow statement. But what we found early on is that a lot of times these people, a lot of times the employees felt a little intimidated by that information or felt like, hey, is this really, this is not really what I uh, signed up to do. You know, I'm, I'm here to, to, to build and remanufacture engines, not to learn the financial statements. So in, a, in those early days, we used the concepts of the game to really help people uh, simplify the idea of business. That business didn't need to be any more complicated than a good game of Monopoly, provided you understood the rules of the game, you had a way to follow the action and keep score, and you knew what the stake in the outcome was. And business, in a lot of ways, is not any anything different than, a, in, you know, as the same kind of elements as, as a game. So there are certainly rules. Um, there are scoreboards within the business. There are goals and targets that you're trying to hit in terms of the business. And, there re and there's rewards uh, for, for winning. So all those elements is just something that we use to demystify the idea of business and make it more attractive and more interesting uh, to all the employees. So, Rich, I think one of the most popular questions that I get as I've been down this journey of, you know, inspiring leaders that we work with to take a look at the great game of business and thinking about open book management, they ask, does this mean that every financial detail is shared? Or can you elaborate a little bit on that or explain, like, where is the line drawn when it comes to open book? Well, I tell you what, you, you share as, as much as you uh, feel comfortable in doing. We always take the, the position that, look, if you want your people to think and act and feel like owners of the business, you need to start treating them like owners and provide them the information um, and the education to, uh, to think and act and feel like an owner. And that includes giving them the same information that the owner has. And so a lot of people start at various positions with open book management I think what's most common is that we, we try to share the overall profit of the business and all the various inputs into that profit so people know um, and can see what levers they need they can pull to impact the success of the organization. I think that's very important. Maybe some owners would decide not to share much off the balance sheet. But I, I tell you, one of the, the things to think about is that with the lack of information to your employees, they'll fill in the gaps. So what we've seen is that you may have some uh, concerns about sharing the overall profitability of your business, but from our experience is that the perception from the employees is a six times uh, difference in that perception. So if you think that, you know, well, I don't wanna share a lot of this information because people will think I'm making a lot of money or I'm not making enough money or that sort of thing, the perception from your employees could be six times that. And it can make it make make a, a big difference. Let me give you a quick little example of that, Nikki, if I could. We we worked early on with an organization called Outback Steakhouse. I think many of you guys probably have heard of those those restaurants. 
Scott Solomon was the original founder. And at the time, they only had, you know, maybe two or three of these restaurants when they introduced the concept of open book management. He wanted to do things differently in those restaurants. You know, the the, the profit margins at an a- average res- restaurant can be very, very low, and he wanted to do, do it differently. He got pretty excited about this concept and from attending one of our annual conferences and went back to his restaurants and gathered up all of his managers and and cooks and waiters and everything and said, you know, how much do you think that I drop to the bottom line or I take in terms of profitability as an owner of this, the, these restaurants. And he got, you know, for every, for as a, as a percent of, of every dollar of revenue that he brought in and he got everything from, you know, 20% to 30% to 60%. And he said, no, 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 you guys don't understand. I'm we're in the restaurant business and I'm lucky to take three cents on every dollar that we bring in, in terms of revenue. And he said at the time, he goes, one of the cooks in the back of the room just started busting out laughing. And he said, what are you laughing about? And he said, you do all of this crap for three cents on the dollar. And it just completely changed the perception that everybody had about what uh, Scott and that organization was taking in. And just that perception um, started to change the behaviors and how they acted within the company uh, based on what they thought the company made versus what they were actually making. Good stuff. So from your perspective, or testimonials that you experience, does company culture and employee engagement impact company profitability? And I'm sure you're going to say, of course, but can you elaborate on how you see that happening? No, absolutely. I think, you know, you know, there's there's plenty of studies out there. I think the easiest example you can you can lay out there is that, you know, an engaged um, employee is going to stick around, right? And if, if, if you have less turnover or better retention of your employees, that, that immediately goes to the bottom line in terms of less training and less recruiting costs and those types of things. But I think the biggest impact um, engagement can make in terms of the profitability of the business is the increased productivity and innovation you can get from your employees. What we really believe the engagement is, is when the employees are, you know, providing a discretionary effort toward improving the success of the organization. um, We sometimes call it discretionary innovation. You know, they're finding ways to improve the business. They take pride and accountability in the success of the organization. And I think that right there is probably the biggest impact you can make on profitability is when people are thinking different about the business, they're taking that extra step in terms of improving the overall success of the business in any way that they can. So Rich, how do you see open book management as a strategy, a platform that drives engagement and drives culture? And maybe tell us a little bit about the methodology of that, but maybe some examples too. Yeah, I think I, let me give you one example, and it's a it's a it's a it's a new example. There's a um, a book out called Powerful by Patty McCord, which um, highlights uh, the success at Netflix. And Patty McCord credits uh, this idea of open book management and the great game of business to inspiring Netflix to really adopt the idea of transparency and education. And it's it's really kind of interesting that, you know, she was um, head of HR. And so 
she kind of described herself as, you know, kind of the happy face HR den mother, um, you know, that we were doing everything to try to keep people happy, satisfied at work. But when she started to teach people business, she figured out that, you know, teaching everyone at Netflix um, how um, their action, actions impact the business was probably the most powerful way to engage them in the business. So she you know, in her book, you know, she talks about how communicating and teaching employees, including even the customer service agents that are working directly on the front lines about how their work contributed to the company's bottom line and, and was, was just absolutely the most effective way to get them engaged in their work. And I think that that's, that's, that's an example of, of how, you know, just this, this simple idea can actually be applied to driving a healthy culture, but more engaged workforce as well. You know, I'd love to just for some of the people that may be hearing about the great game of business or these concepts for the first time, how does a company get started down this path? And like, what do those first few steps look like? Again, we just want folks to start somewhere. But I tell you that the, the first thing is do something similar to what I described that Scott Sullivan did, where you're just opening it up and saying, look, um, here's, here's our business. This is how we make money. This is how much money we make today. This is how we compare to our industry. Here's the opportunities for improvement. And we want your help. And then start to begin to connect and develop a line of sight from where that employee is in the organization to what they can do to impact that success. So we just, we, we, we open it up. We're not, we're not showing every line item on your general ledger or your financials at first. We're just showing them a big picture, but eventually you'll get it down to everyone having line item ownership, everybody having a number that they can actually contribute and, and see how they can actually impact the success of the organization. But I would say that's about 10 or 20% of the effect the rest of the 80%, 90% of the effect is really going to be the informal practices you put in place. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, weekly huddles where you're forecasting the financial results or uh, what we call mini games, which are basically short-term 90, 60, 90 day initiatives that we put out there, challenges that the employees actually build to to solve specific issues or, or to achieve a specific goal that they have in mind. And just doing those kind of informal, everyday practices can teach you so much about the business. So I was going to go just a little bit deeper um, when you were talking about education being a key. You were talking about innovation and education. When you were thinking education and maybe some business leaders are like, whoa, my people have a lot to learn and they just might be a little overwhelmed with how much time would that take? Kind of give an idea, lay of the land on how we're doing education through this process, how often and is it company wide? Is it small groups? We always start with the leadership first. They, they have to be comfortable with this process. And to be honest with you, we've met, you know, many, many leadership teams over the, over the years that don't feel real comfortable with the financial side of the business themselves. So, they're ta- the, you know, it takes some time to, to, to work with them. Now, most everything that, that we do in terms of implementing these, uh, these processes is is in a very practical way because that's how we grew up. That's how we developed it ourselves. We didn't 
at SRC back in 1983, we didn't have hours and hours and days and days to go and train people on the financials. We had to get to work. Um, so a lot of these things are more informal practices we put together and they learn by doing. So these are maybe some everyday communication processes uh, a business may already have in place. But we're just going to look at things differently. So we're going to be huddling on a weekly basis. So at least once a week, they're doing a check. Are we all these activities, all these things we're doing, all these initiatives, all these strategies we're taking, are we making money doing that? So they get a check and they understand, okay, we, we, we're winning or we're losing and what plays we need to run you know, next week to be able to improve the success of the organization. Just employees setting into those huddles and participating, maybe participating in a number that they own, is, and it may be as simple as you know, um, office supplies, you know, that them coming in on a weekly basis and participating in that and seeing how the how profit is generated in the business can teach them so much. And just think about that 52 huddles a year, how much training that is. Now, those meetings are probably a replacement for some other efficiency meeting that you're trying to to run anyway. But what we've seen is that those things can eliminate a lot of the miscommunication and alignment that you're creating in the organization. So in the end, our clients tell us time and time again, these practitioners, that you know these extra, if you call them extra, huddles or meetings or, or training is actually saving them tons of time on the, on the flip side of the increased communication that they get and the increased alignment they get in the organization. So helpful to have you expand on that. I want to go another direction here because, Rich, I've been to one of your annual events, The Gathering. So I know you regularly see companies who excel. Like I saw companies fired up. It was really energizing to see. And you also see companies who get completely turned around. They may have been at a pretty desperate place and implemented processes that made them go in a completely different direction on the upside. What are the most common skills you see in these leaders? Well, I think probably a value set is humility. They, they come to a point that they say, look, I'm going to share the reality with everybody. I'm going to teach everybody the reality. And sometimes that's hard to teach. And, you know, they may be in a bad spot. And a lot of times a CEO or leadership team um, want, want to keep that quiet. They, they think if they communicate that, that people will run for the hills. What we've seen is the direct opposite. If you're honest with your employees of the situation you're in and let them know the realities of the business, the good employees, the best employees are going to rally around that and help you be successful. So I think the common approach that a lot of these leaders take is that they share that reality. um, They create a common goal and then they start teaching everyone how they can make a difference and how they can help the organization turn around. It sounds pretty basic, but it's sometimes, uh, you know, it's just not an approach that a lot of companies take. And I think the more, I, I think a, a good example of this, Nikki, is when we hit the recession back in 2008, 2009, a lot of these organizations that were practicing open book management were the ones that came out the other end stronger. So we've had a theme on gut plus science questions or feedback lately. Um, Leaders want best practices on cross-departmental alignment. So I'm just going to ask, do you see open book management practices help with cross-departmental alignment? And if so, how? 
I would start with the big picture first, that if you think about it, the, the financial statements are probably the only report card or scoreboard in your business that truly shows the collective efforts of everybody in the company. So why not use those to bring people together and align people? So, you know, these weekly huddles that I talked about where weekly these companies are getting together and showing exactly the financial condition of the business and doing it in a forward-focused fashion. So they're talking about what the forecast will be so they can see if it's not the profit or not the success that they want, if they're not hitting their plans, what they need to do differently to improve that. That's, that's, an, that's a weekly alignment tool in between each of the departments because it shows how much we depend on each other. So that's, that's the big picture. The other part of this is how that drives it down to the, to the individual departments and the teams uh, within the company um, they can have their own scoreboards and their own alignment within their departments. You know, a practice that I mentioned earlier, the mini games, those are one of the most powerful practices because it's it's a short-term improvement challenge, almost a continuous improvement uh, program that allow that that really enables employees to solve their own problems by putting together a small game that takes the same same basic principles of the of the big game puts it in microcosm, so to speak. So they set a goal, they put a scoreboard together, they, they create some kind of reward and recognition that, that they can they provide each other if they are able to achieve that. And, and they start huddling weekly around that particular goal and start understanding what are those drivers, what are those lead activities that they could do every day to actually influence that goal. We see companies find ways to align between departments or just build better teams by practicing, you know, a simple idea like mini games. So I love this mini games concept and I feel like it's a very tactical thing that listeners could take back and start exploring, maybe reach out to you and, you know, really start to understand this. Can you break down when, when a team, so I'm guessing this is like department wide, um, let's say for example, so you've got a leader and you've got 20 people on this team and they are going to own one mini game. Can you just give an example of, you know, like what would that topic look like? And then what is the, the time that it takes to do like the strategy around that? And then usually how long is the weekly cadence to then reaching that? Or does it always vary? Or is it, is it typically go along with a quarter at a time? What does that look like? You know, first of all, we, we, we love for these to be more organic, meaning that the, the team has an issue or a goal they would like to achieve and they put together a, a plan to achieve it. We try to keep them within that 60 to 90 day period. Basically, the, the time period is really long, you know, short enough to keep everybody interested and excited about achieving the goal, but also long enough that it actually can change the behaviors so that once you achieve the goal, maybe some of those behaviors and those processes, cha- process changes that you use to achieve the goal actually continue on after the mini game. So, you know, the time period is pretty, pretty critical. But they can also be, you know, games that are created within your own department. Probably your most successful games, Nikki, are the ones that are cross-departmental games. One that I will lead you to, because I think your audience could could go check this out very easily, is that there's a a really good example of what a mini game is and how to put it together and how to make make it successful on YouTube. And it's called Wolf Glass, and it's R-O-L-F Glass. 
and just put mini game or game. And you can check that out on YouTube right now. It's a short video, walks through how they created a game around improving efficiency within the organization, how they created the scoreboard, how they made it fun, how they rewarded their employees. I think it'd be a great example for, for your audience to see exactly what these, these uh, mini games look like and feel like. Thanks for that. And so I've got one last thing before we're going to take a break and go to our lightning round to learn a little bit more about you. But you talked in the beginning about the four components to open book management, the transparency, the teaching your people, empowering them. And then fourth was the providing stake in the outcome. Can you just give an example as we wrap up and how, what does that look like providing stake in the outcome? That's a very good question because uh, a lot of people jump to the conclusion that when we talk stake in the outcome, we're talking about, you know, incentive plans or bonus plans or some kind of compensation. That's certainly part of it. But really, the stake in it and the outcome conclude a lot of things. And what you have to find out is what really um, your employees value. It could be a career advancement. It could be development opportunities. It could be, you know, anything from... Um, you know, new new job challenges or opportunities that they want to uh, develop themselves. So staking the outcome, you know, is encompasses all of those things. Rich, this was such a powerful show today, giving leaders a new way and a really fun way to achieve business goals. I absolutely love learning more about open book, financial management practices, gamification, and the teachings of the great game of business. Um, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor message today. We'll come right back and we want to learn just a couple things about you, the personal side of Rich, with our lightning round. In our conversations with CEOs and hiring managers, we hear they're frustrated with traditional recruiting. From outrageous fees to focusing on candidates before clients, the process was broken and needed to be fixed. Enter Titus Talent. Titus Talent Strategy serves its clients using passionate people, a proven process, and unparalleled performance. Oh, and did we mention they guarantee the performance of their candidates for 12 months? If you want to learn how they're disrupting the recruitment space, head over to TitusTalent.com. That's T-I-T-U-S-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. All right, Rich, welcome back. So this is what we call our lightning round, where it just gives our audience and myself an opportunity to learn just a little bit about you. So you can just, you know, give us like one word or just really short answers to these questions. What is your favorite vacation spot? Well, my favorite vacation spot is my wife's favorite vacation spot. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> loves anywhere there's a, a nice beach and water. So uh, it's always usually the Caribbean. Nice. And how about a favorite hobby when you're not working? Well, I've um, I was originally a music major before I was a business major, so I'm uh, still an active musician. So I spent a lot of time playing music. I currently play in a '90s rock tribute band, believe it or not. So wow, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, how cool! And Rich, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Well, a couple of ways is please try to connect with me on LinkedIn if you would. Um, it is just Rich Armstrong uh, or Great Game of Business with LinkedIn. You can reach me uh, via email at rarmstrong at ggob.com. And, and also, you know, Nikki, I, you know, they're, they're welcome to jump on our website. Our books, the two books that we have out, The Great Game of Business, um, original book, and then also another book called A Stake in the Outcome are both available on our re- website at greatgame.com. 
uh, slash first one is GGOB MP3. And the next one is slash SIO, stake in the outcome, SIO MP3. And those are free offers. So if you uh, like to listen uh, to your books, um, there's an opportunity to uh, uh, take a look at those, uh, learn a little bit more about the great game of business and stake in the outcome. Rich, thank you. You shared great ideas, innovative concepts, and so many resources on the show today. You took some big concepts and broke them down and I think inspired many listeners to consider open book or gamification. Now, I'm going to try to summarize some key takeaways into our Truth You Can Act On section. So listeners, pick something to ponder or try something new and please explore at least one of those uh, resources that Rich shared today with your team. So a couple of things here. So treat employees like owners. Perception is reality, right? So be transparent and share yourself and what's under the hood with your employees. It builds trust, which directly correlates to engagement. Educate. Knowledge is power. So taking time to educate your people on the front end will save a lot of time on the back end. Plus, you will see employees taking more ownership when they're more confident, and that's a fact. Have small group challenges, have teams like departments, locations, or shifts own a challenge and break down the plan to achieve it. Incorporate weekly huddles to report progress. That was such a cool idea. Stay focused and celebrate each win along the way. Expect to see energy grow among these groups for sure. And provide employees stake in the outcome. Understand what is important to the individual and align their reward like time off, more pay, time to volunteer, something to lead in the company with something that they get really excited about. So always circle back to the individual why. So I told you this episode would be fully loaded. It sure was. So talk to you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.